0: Welcome to Universal Soul Love. I'm Detective David Love. And I'm Dr Lana Love. Welcome to our show. We're broadcasting from the land down under on the BBS Radio Network.
1: Universal Soul Love is a radio show dedicated to Universal Soul Love. We talk about a variety of topics, about uh, the state of the world, about environment and the need for environmental advocacy, the state of the planet, politics we promote healthy relationships between the genders, between the masculine and the feminine.
0: And, of course, my favorite, the mysteries of the universe.
1: And so we try to raise the consciousness of the planet.
0: I'm a, private, I'm a career private detective, a mystic author, a hypnotherapist. I do many other things. And my lovely co-host, Dr.
1: Lana Love. I'm a doctor who specializes in emotional health. I also have a Buddhist background. Uh, We're both vegan and we advocate for animal rights.
0: And today we have a very special guest with us, Jacqueline Boyd.
1: A very good friend as Mm. well. So Jackie is a very special person. Jackie is a gifted medium as well as an animal whisperer. She has a background as a veterinary nurse and has worked in, uh, in ICUs with the Children's Medical Research Institute, Sydney University, Guide Dog Association, World League, for the protection of animals, medical pharmaceuticals, and veterinary clinic. She has been a gifted medium for many years, and she has the ability to talk directly to animals. She's an excellent
0: pet pet medium. And um, she has pets of her own. And she's very good with all sorts of issues dealing with our beloved pets, our dog, cats, dogs, and otherwise.
1: And I know a lot of our listeners being a spiritual people, being empaths, would love animals, and probably a lot of our mm-hmm. listeners have pets. So welcome to the show, Jackie. Thank you.
2: Thanks for having me. It's great to be
1: here. So Jackie, we have a, a number of questions today relating to animals, taking care of our animals, how to know if your vet is a good vet. Uh, All sorts of questions like Mm. that. We actually have two dogs and two cats of our own. So Mm. we uh, always do, you know, have issues to do with how to care for them the best, uh, what to do if they're sick. And we're hoping that you can answer some of our questions. I'd love to. Fire away. So where should we start? I guess one of the questions that comes up a lot is when to send your animal to a vet. How do you know if something is serious, how it isn't serious? We know the vet bills can be expensive. We love our pets and we want to take care of our pets. I know it's a pretty generalised question, but just wondering whether you can give us a bit of feedback about that.
2: Absolutely. Your animal can't talk. So this is something that's really crucial. And for some reason, a lot of people find themselves really confused when it comes to what to do. And there's a whole lot of panic going on as well, which can cloud your judgment. So what, You do, is the first thing, is the animal eating and drinking? If they're not eating and drinking, that should send off alarm bells. But the one thing that really tells the story to me, even if it's just something about a skin condition or if they've got something stuck in their throat, do you do the emergency thing or do you wait the next day or do you leave it? That depends entirely on what the animal's doing for the whole situation. So if they're constantly trying to relieve the problem, like constantly going, (coughs) if you've got something stuck, Constantly, you take them to the vet straight away. If they're constantly itching, constantly trying to get something moving, if they're not able to find relief and they don't have downtime, much downtime, more than you know, if it's they they're attacking the situation, then 30 seconds they they rest, then they're attacking the situation again. That's a pretty bad situation for the animal. You've got to do something immediately. Uh, with um, things like if they've eaten a lot of dry food, then suddenly have some water. The dry food can expand in their tummy and with dogs, especially such as the boxer, that can cause the bowels to twist up. That's deadly. The All way right. to that that's happened is if they will not drink water, if their bowels are uh, twisted. Yeah. Oh, okay. If they've got diarrhea, um, if th- that's okay. They might just cut off the food for a bit and give them plenty of water, of course. Mm. If they've got diarrhea, it's okay. But if there's blood in it, to the vet. And if it's projectile and if the animal's looking really pale, the the way to tell if an animal's pale is under the eyes, okay, and the gums. What you do is you press your finger on the gums and you see how long it takes for the blood to return, the pink to return. So when your dog's healthy, just poke the gums. That's what he's like when he's healthy. So when he's sick, you can use that as a comparison to see how pale the animal is.
1: Well, that that makes sense. I mean, obviously, you you do need to you know take into um, consideration how the animal is. So I guess a sick sick animal, just like a sick mm. person, will not be acting very well. They'll have unusual
0: yeah. behaviors. If
2: they're struggling to breathe, that's that's the big
1: one. Okay, yeah, for sure. I remember we had a bit of an alarm uh, when one of my uh, children found what they thought was a tick on our cat. (laughs) Oh, that was so funny. Now, it did appear to be a black bump and it could have been the body of a tick. Um, I must say, I must say, um, just uh, taking into consideration what you just said, our cat was acting quite normal mm. there wasn't you know he was cool but you know we my daughter who's uh, about i think 17 18 at the time was panicking she
0: thought it might be a paralysis tick and we you know yeah. we're looking at this going this is a bubble it doesn't you know
1: <laughs> didn't quite- but she was panicking and oh. so we tried to get some alcohol we we couldn't have we didn't have ordinary spirits so we got some red wine <laughs> we poured it all around the the to ear try to
0: sterilize it Which, the first thing you do is don't panic, unless you know the cat looks like it's dying.
1: And so we 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 were sort of you know poking around and couldn't get the thing out, and poor Teddy was getting more and more distressed. He was actually quite fine before that, um, and uh, in the end we took him to the vet the next day, and the vet said, "No, that's not a tick. It was just a a blister. It was a." Yeah, some, some sort of sort. blood blister. Hmm. So um, I guess it makes sense to actually see if the animal's distressed or not. <laughs> yeah,
2: I was say, you brought up a very good point. There is a tick type that um, once the animal starts to show symptoms, it's a bit late.
1: Oh, okay.
2: Um, I've, I don't know if that's something that um, I should be saying because it, it's secondhand information for me, but I did hear a horror story recently about ticks, and uh, that was the situation with that one. So yeah, you've got to be uh, careful. Mm-hmm. The way the animal's behaving definitely—if they look like they're on their door—that's enough to justify immediately to the twenty-four-hour expensive vet.
1: Yes. Okay. So what you're saying is that in the case of a possible tick, even if the animal isn't distressed, that would be a reason to take them to yeah. a vet. I
0: guess you have to use your judgment. Okay.
1: Well, it's, it's a bit hard to judge if you see something black, you know, and you can't see any legs, but the ticks can sort of power themselves in. Um, maybe ticks are an exception to the rule. Maybe when you see something, there might be a tick, you take them to a vet.
0: Well, I don't know. My dogs, when I was a kid, always had ticks. Um, we never took them to the vet. No. We took the ticks off.
1: No,
2: uh, the grass ticks are, um, oh, I, I don't know that for sure. So I do know that there's some more than others. Sure,
0: paralysis, paralysis ticks are particular to Australia, and they're very deadly, basically, for animals, I think, for people, too. So
2: Animals do this thing called masking, especially birds and animals of prey, like bunnies, where if they're really injured and really feeling down, they will pretend they're just fine. And the reason is because in the wild, there'll be, say, for bunny rabbits, there's birds flying around, and they're going to, oh, there's a bunch of rabbits, I'm going to go down, pick them up, take them off, and eat them. They're going to go for the slow rabbit, the sleeping. So Mm, your animal. To pretend that everything's fine. So sometimes looking for uh, signs of ill health isn't enough, especially with birds as well, because mm-hmm. the, some animals, the prey animals, they will mask beautifully and you'll have that's no a, idea just mm, how sick. That, they
0: are. That's like a defense strategy that the mode that they automatically go into when they're sick so that the predator doesn't see that they're sick, I guess.
1: Okay, yeah. so we we can't just use the signs of when they're distressed. Sometimes they might be distressed and they're masking it. Okay, now I'm confused. <laughs> but I mean, if it's
0: a Friday night at nine o'clock, you know, and you have and there's no normally no vet available, you might end up paying like a you know thousand or two thousand dollar vet bill uh, for an emergency vet visit.
2: Is how much discomfort the, the animal is in? I go by: is he trying to find relief constantly without getting it? Is it constant effort for the animal to find relief
1: that's my my cue that's what i use okay well i guess you've got to be pretty empathic yeah. to your animal intuitive. And, and intuitive and see whether they're sort of um that they're, they're changing their normal behavior even if they don't seem super distressed yeah. so yeah. i guess this is where it's quite useful to have a, a pet psychic <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. yeah, very and, mm, mm-hmm. all right um so uh, tell me a little bit about your um uh, your experience as a pet psychic, when did that start?
2: I was given a book for Christmas and mm-hmm. my sister just picked it up off the shelf without knowing what it was she doesn't like all the psychic stuff I do. i had already, maybe she knew me, I don't know. Um, so I was already into learning how to be a medium and this book was written by a deaf woman who could talk to animals with ESP since birth. And okay. she didn't realise she was the only one who could do it until she was a teenager. She thought everyone was talking to their animals. And um, the reason I guess is because she's deaf and she learned to pick up on this. And she, the book basically explains how to do it. And it's so easy. Of course, at first it's very hard and it takes a while, but the more you practice, it's like it's like bush bashing. And if you're going through a pathway, you've got to cut the, the grass away. And then you've got to make a road, a little path, and then you turn that into a road, then it becomes a super highway. You know, it's, it's a process of evolution. To be able to be fast at it, uh, but it can be done.
1: And oh, really? Say, so, so Jackie, can... you're saying everybody can be a yes. pet psychic?
2: Yes, everyone can talk to animals. Okay, everyone can be a medium as well. It takes a while; it's, it's a bit of work. Uh, but we've all got the spirit. We are a spiritual being in mm. a material body. We are not a material body with a spiritual side.
0: Mm. And, and this is the this is the natural form of communication. I mean, just to interject quickly. I spent three years studying mediumship uh, development in uh, the spiritualist churches in Florida, so it wasn't like it was natural to me from the very beginning when I was born. But it it, it is innate in us, and we can develop it through practice, like most things. Yes.
2: So, yeah.
0: yeah. So go ahead.
2: All right. You'll be the psychic, can't you, David?
0: A bit, yeah, we've had our we've had our They haven't we? <laughs> quite talented too. Yeah. Thank you.
1: I guess the other question I have is do you think that animals have spirits?
2: Of course they do.
1: That's what oh. I believe. I know I know the, the church quite often will say it's only humans that have spirits. I believe that that animals are basically like like humans, they're beings. Oh. And I know that within the Buddhist Framework of belief with reincarnation, you can actually reincarnate as an animal, not necessarily reincarnate as a human. I
0: remember I asked this of a Christian when I was a teenager, from a particular denomination, and he said, uh, "I, you know, re- regarding do dogs or animals go to heaven?" He said, "Well, can dogs accept Jesus as their savior?" Like, Gee, I don't know. And he said, "Well, they can't. So therefore, there's no dogs in heaven. There's no pets in heaven." And I said, "They
1: well, might be able to accept Lassie as their savior." You know,
0: I don't understand this logic, but anyhow.
2: Uh, What it is, is it goes by the nervous system. We are sentinel beings and we have central nervous system. And those who have central nervous system go to the um, heaven of the central nervous system. Cat heaven is uh, run by a group called the Cat Divas, just like the Karmic Council is run by the Karmic Council. And uh, it's, I've seen it, but only from the outside. I don't think people are allowed to look in. And it's just a giant, huge wall, big, unscalable Wall. um So if I look at a cat that's passed, sometimes I just see that wall. Okay, they're in cat heaven.
1: I'm are you for real? Go. There's a cat heaven.
2: All serious, yes.
1: Meow. <laughs> <laughs> are humans ever allowed to enter that I mean, domain?
2: I've only seen the wall from the outside, so I doubt it. I mean, mm. I'm sure, I mean, I'd like to think that my pets will be there when I go. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, but there's definitely it's run. But when I do communication for lost pet, for lost cat. Really? I, yes. And they're the ones who do, like, the cat stuff. Yeah, so,
1: okay. so the question I have then is, is there a cat hell for naughty cats?
2: <laughs> I uh, think that uh, everything has to have an equal opposite in order to exist. What goes up must come down. So, yes, there would be a dark and where there's light.
1: Really, because you you could argue that the you, you could argue that the concept of bad, good, and bad is just a human concept, and that animals don't judge.
0: Okay, my turn. Uh, Being, a mis- like- Being a mystic author, for what it's worth, I'm just going to say, and I, we've had these discussions. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is a bit off topic. <laughs> um, look, this is the we have the multiverse, and I believe that. All realities exist, all dimensions exist. So you can have a cat heaven, you can have, I, I believe that it's all possible, all conceivable realities that we can think of are possible. So if you're looking for a cat heaven, there probably is one. Oh. How's that sound? Is that, re- yeah. is that a good theory? You you have know, to see- I don't. Have to
2: see that wall. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a central being. We apparently, according to the Indian deaf book, we leave through our central nervous system. And, yeah, so we go to central nervous system. worms they don't go to heaven because they don't have the nervous system. They're completely different. Okay. Yeah, okay. I asked, when, I, when I asked my medium all about this years ago, I, she said, after saying yes to cats, I thought, this is a bit strange, come on. So, I, what about a tapeworm? And that's how I learned about whole of the, the whole nervous system thing in regards to. Uh,
1: hang on, um, as a doctor, I just it begs the question. I mean, surely a tapeworm does have a central nervous system, but it's more simplified. Even a little embryo has a central nervous system.
2: It, they don't go to our heaven; they go to another one. They've got a different type of system. Um, I, I'm sure it does have a central nervous system, but it's the type of the type of it like it's not our type
1: but okay. can can there not be a tapeworm heaven
2: there might not be that's mm. very sad
0: i mean we really don't know ultimately i mean we know that christians believe in a certain type of heaven and they'll go to their heaven because that's what the and, and buddhists um will go
1: you know we've, we've seen this but hang, hang on if, if according to the buddhist um philosophy religion there can be reincarnation from a human to an animal to an insect does that not um, imply that the 3d limitations of species are not existent when you're in the spirit form why why do we have this species differentiation surely all spirits are equal yeah it's
2: an interesting question um (laughs) Well, I think like I said before, we are a spiritual being in a body. We're not a body with a spiritual side. Mm. We are beings and the body is secondary. That's mm.
1: the best say So that, that, well, that's is, that's just why I'm thinking that, you know, in the higher realms even gender doesn't exist. So I'm just I wondering whether species well. exists.
0: Well I'm at probably, the end there's no there's no self, there's non self.
2: No, the soul is, is not a, of a species at all.
0: That's right. Mm. Consciousness has no yeah. anything. It's, so it's, it's empty it with the capability of being all things
2: right. at the
0: bottom of it all. But I guess whatever you believe in is what you're going to perceive or create, anyhow.
2: Yes, exactly. Yeah, uh, you hit the on it so, there. that that's exactly what I think too. So maybe
1: maybe within maybe there are realms where if you continue to, as a spirit, believe that you are a particular species, then maybe you go to a, a particular heaven but maybe if you rise above that in your spiritual um, development then mm-hmm. maybe there's neutral zones huh. with all different species
0: yeah i mean we're talking deep <sighs> deep metaphysical philosophy and we're really speculating is, is there really anything that consciousness can't do or oh, be no. No. you know at the end of it all
2: no it's, it's consciousness is the energy of the universe
0: and so, are there any limitations really? Uh, I mean, we're talking yeah. about the universal intelligence, the yeah, universal I think source.
2: It's like a computer program that we are um, using a program that's guided by negative and positive, and dark and light. And um, we are experiencing, and as we experience, we are manipulating this program to bring us the next experience. And it starts with our thoughts, then our um, intent and our beliefs, uh, what's going into the program to bring out what comes from that. Mm. And learning how to manipulate that program in your best interest is um, you need to read uh, the Vortex. Read the Vortex for that. Right. How to manipulate the the program that is the universe.
1: Oh, Mm. really? Mm. That sounds very interesting.
2: Yeah. It is a fantastic book. Everyone should read it. Everyone.
1: All right. Okay. So, so, so basically it sounds like the conclusion we've come to is that your beliefs do um, have a consequence on the life you have after your death. So I'm going to believe mm. that um, I'm going to go to heaven together with my cats and dogs. We'll, we'll see if that works.
0: So, <laughs> <laughs> we won't know until we do it. Right? Okay. But this has been quite a side know. venture. You read good good, good stuff. And then you let your beliefs just
2: bring your future to you. In the way that you want it, and then okay. you know, on this. That's
0: true. That's true.
1: That's yeah. fascinating. Now we look. We have got diverted quite a bit. Let's go back into three D reality. Right. How do you tell if your vet is ripping you off? Great right.
2: question.
1: Which is which is Australian for overcharging you. Okay, yeah, yeah. That, that's American oh. as well. Oh, is it okay?
2: Unnecessary surgeries is a big thing. Okay. Uh, Let's start with bumps. If your animal's got a bump, you think cancer or the worst, Um, except for one type of cancer, which is called a mast cell tumour. If it's oozing pus and it's really soft without a mass in it, that's like um, an infection and it's brain and it's not something that you need to have surgically removed. I had a vet once try to remove um, a a pussy saw from my mum's dog and, you know, I, I, I said, no, this is oozing, it's not pus, this is not uh, a lump, it's a inflamed area you know, with an infection and it just needs to drain. <clears throat> so pus is your key for that if you've got um, a tumour of some sort. Uh, with uh, cancerous tumours, normally they're, they're not perfectly round, they're jagged around the edge, <clears throat> pardon me. So um, obviously that's not a 100%. Sometimes I will be round. But in general, uh, rough edge is a good indication it's a bad bump, whereas a smooth, perfectly round edge is an indication that it's okay. Um, and, it
1: and also from, from um, my medical understanding, I, I'm sure the same for animals as it is, as it is for humans, normally a tumour is adherent To the underlying tissue Mm, a a, a malignant tumor whereas a lump which is like lipoma a fatty lump or other it can actually move Uh,
2: yes 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 Mm. and um Mm. yeah so the mast cell tumor which is basically something that happens a lot in the box of um that can bleed a little but um so if one of those got infected you'd feel that the tissue and as you just said, it's obviously attached because it's cancerous cells out of control. You feel the tissue and the mass in it. <clears throat> Another way that they sweep people off, <clears throat> sorry, is um, they'll produce an X-ray of a dog that they had in last year that had a break when your dog isn't hasn't got a broken leg. And they'll say that this is the X-ray of your dog and it needs surgery. Oh, my
0: God. Oh, um, no.
2: Yeah. Now, in my time of vet clinics, there were the old x-rays where the dog would lie on the table. And what an x-ray is, is basically a shadow of the bone. The, the rays come down and it passes through the leg and the bone creates a shadow on the plate underneath where the film is. Now it's digital. So they could show you a tiny little x-ray and get away with that really easily now because you don't have the ability to go, this is life-size and that is not my dog's leg, which is a way out of that before. So you can usually see an outline of the animal's leg on the x-ray, so pay attention to that to see if it's a cat or your dog. The other thing that happens is if you have a mast cell tumor removed and they wanna take it to pathology to see what it is, ask the vet to take away the surrounding muscle at the same time. Otherwise, what will happen is your dog will get home from surgery, the pathology will come back saying it's cancer, the vet will ring you and say, now we have got to take away that muscle so it doesn't spread. So it's worth it to say to your vet, Remove the tumor,
1: please, and take mm. away the surrounding muscle. Let's just pretend it's cancer to save them coming back. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's wow. that's really um, uh, mm-hmm. practical information. I, I must say, I, I wouldn't have thought that vets mm. are so often unscrupulous. I, I would have thought they're reasonably yeah. ethical people.
0: Yeah, this is beginning to sound like auto mechanics. <laughs> I mean, although yeah. luckily, I found quite a few good auto mechanics in my time, but I've also, over the last twenty-five years, yeah, had quite a few of that tell you that things need to be fixed in your car that don't need to be fixed. So.
2: I know, man. I know. Uh, it's, mm. They're not like mechanics. Uh, it's just, um, it, it's kind of rare, but every now and you know, you, you take your animal to the vet and they want it to stay overnight. No one's in the clinic overnight. That animal's not being watched. And you're paying oh, really? overnight. Yeah.
1: I, I, mean, I thought most of the, I, I thought that okay. quite often with the hospitals, there's 24-hour.
2: No, only the emergency places are 24-hour have someone there. But those
1: clinics uh, that, that up the road, the small ones, no one's there. Anymore. Yes. Right. Okay. Mm. Well, that's very, very useful to know. Very useful. Um, and I guess if in doubt, change your vet.
0: I'm sure our listeners will appreciate this. I'm sure that we're not the only ones that have had huge vet bills in our, with our oh, lovely yeah. pets.
1: Okay. I I have another question. We we have two cats. Okay. One of them, Teddy, the, the one that had the tick crisis. It wasn't mm. a tick. He is a real purring machine. He mm-hmm. purrs all the time. He's never in a bad mood. And even if you scold him, he'll go. Pfft. Now, yeah. can you tell us a little bit about cat purrs? Because I believe it's a bit of a mystery. It's still a mystery to me. I still, yeah. uh, what, 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 what's purring all about?
2: It's a mystery to science. The science only believes in what they can see. They don't really do the meta- metaphysics. Firstly, purring happens when they're content and when they're discontent. So if your cat's not feeling well and it's purring, don't mistake that for being happy. Because oh, really? Oh. Out. Yes. It's a very spiritual thing. Cats are extremely spiritual animals.
1: Okay. What they
2: do is they take away your negative energy and then they walk outside and they dump it through their paws into the ground and they ground themselves. So that's why cats are calming to people and why mentally ill people sometimes get 20,000 cats around them.
1: Because really?
2: Mm-hmm. Heal them, yes. They're very calming. So the purring... Um, from what I've been told from the person, the medium who taught me how to be a medium is um, basically what needs to be done for the energy, negative energy to be removed from you, go through the cat the cat has it in the body until the cat walks outside, which is crucial every cat needs to be outdoors sometimes so they ground themselves and they walk around the earth on their paws and they dump the negative energy into the earth, the earth loves the negative the earth that's positive energy for them.
0: So this is in sharp contrast to the naturopath that you used to talk to, who would say, and a lot of people believe this. There's a, there's there's a, this,
1: this naturopath, mind you, hates cats. Okay.
0: <laughs> there's a there's a rumor or or a myth going around about cats that um, they steal your energy. And Teddy likes to sleep on us at night. He used to. He'd sleep on our heads, and you know, people have said that the cats are stealing your energy and,
1: and steal your electrons.
2: Right. Probably- right. That well, they can if they're a bad cat. Given that they can take the negative away, who's to say that they can't take the positive away? Eh?
0: I, I suppose, yeah. Mm. Who knows?
1: I, okay, so m- maybe there are good cats that relieve you of negative energy. They go to ha- cat heaven and the bad cats go to <laughs> cat hill. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I energy. I've never heard of that. Um, okay.
1: Well, yeah. I I know that that cats love cuddling up to you. I think they get something from it. I they think we get it. something from it.
2: They love it. They love doing that.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Well, that that's what I thought. You know, and yeah. we certainly in the in mental health um, in the mental health area, we, it's well known that they've done studies on on uh, people with mental illness who have pets and uh, or you know people that have. Um, pets seem to have less incidence of mental illness mm-hmm. than those that do Emotional don't. support yeah, animals. Yeah, obviously. And mm. they, they're beautiful little souls.
2: Yeah, they're putting them in nursing homes now. Did you know that it's quite common for a cat in a nursing home to spend the night on a patient's bed the night they die? Really? Wow. Yeah, and it starts off, the patients start thinking it's a death cat, it's an evil cat, it, it'll, don't let it on your bed or you'll die. But what's actually happening is the cat knows it's that person's time and it spends the last night with the patient.
1: Oh, how lovely. Fascinating. Wow. And I know that there um, there was a, um, some nursing homes will actually have dogs that come in to spend time Facility dogs. With, um, yeah, with the older people. And mm. there's also a new trend with uh, chickens um, being raised in nursing homes and there's been awareness of the fact that chickens are actually Quite intelligent creatures and can be quite loving. And so I, I recently saw something yeah. overseas about chickens being raised in nursing homes and, and really cheering up the old people. Yeah, we
0: heard that from a, a new program manager that we're starting to work with who tells us that chickens are actually more intelligent than dogs, he tells us.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know. You know, that chickens have this, the sort of poop they have because unlike us, they have um, a thing called a cloaca. So their their number ones and number twos come out at the same time. That's why they eat grainy Mm. food. Have food that doesn't represent grainy food. You know, if you wanted to know some food business. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. It is because I. Yeah. But but chicken. Uh, How can grain turn into that?
0: Mm. But but chickens are very. I mean, intelligence is a subjective thing. Anyhow, we're basing it on our intelligence. But chickens are quite intelligent, according Mm -hmm. to our standards, aren't they?
2: According to the amount of neurons in their brain, they have a lot more. Wow. So, identifying shapes from above, they they beat us by miles.
1: Wow. What? Yeah. Are you saying per body mass, they have more neurons than we do? Uh,
2: Brain mass.
1: Really? Wow. Oh my gosh. More. Yes. (laughs) So much for chicken brains. Gee. (laughs) No, I. I, I was very impressed by this video of a woman showing us the memory of a chicken, and she would actually say the words and the chicken would go to this, um, this picture. Now, I don't know whether there was another trick to it or not, but it seemed to have quite, quite a good memory and vocabulary. Mm-hmm.
2: Right, Okay.
1: And I guess uh, I've also seen that with pigs. I've heard that pigs are as intelligent as a five-year-old child. I know that with the right computer program, pigs can actually play computer games. Um, And certainly they're visually aware. And uh, I guess that's one of the reasons why I became vegan quite a few years ago, this um, Mm. growing awareness of the fact that animals around us, including animals that are routinely killed, Mm. are actually quite intelligent.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, I know. And that uh, matter of fact, uh, the radio show manager, Jack, uh, one of his shows, he has a number of radio shows that he manages and one of the talk shows, and uh, one of them is dedicated to chickens. I, I can't remember the name of it offhand, mm. but he tells me that um, people keep chickens as pets. <coughs> and, and a lot of people do, apparently. Um, yeah, apparently I'm, I mean, I, I'm not
1: familiar with it. But...
2: I used to have ducks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're cool. And uh-huh. Ducks and geese, they, they have a lot of personality, don't they?
2: Mm. they like dogs. So when you get home, they, they're wagging their tails at the door. You give them a cockroach, you fan out in the street, and they love it.
1: Fish are also um, another animal that's now noted to be much more intelligent than previously thought.
2: Mm. memory thing is a myth. They do get to know you. They will follow you around the house, and they will look mm. at you. Yes.
0: They have familiarity. Mm.
1: I was um, I saw on the internet a really touching video about a squid that was freed by some people It was trapped and the next day they went to the beach again and that squid was there and it seemed like it was sort of thanking them and it, it's actually followed them mm-hmm. um, yeah, close to the shore for a little while. Um, it, it seemed to have some memory of the fact that they had freed it. So it's um, it, it's really touching actually. Mm-hmm.
2: They're very intelligent. You know, they did an experiment with an octopi where they had a fish tank and one octopi here, one here, and a divider, which is opaque. I couldn't see through it. They trained this one to fetch the red ball out of all the colours and it gets food. Then they removed the divider, went away, came back the next day, put the divider back, and they put the coloured balls into that tank and the mm. octopi knew to pick up the red ball. They communicated that night. Wow. Yeah, really? Um, yeah, they talk by flashing different colours of light at each other and they have a language. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the message that night was pick up the red ball, you get food.
1: That's amazing. So did, did you say there were flashing lights?
2: Yes, yeah, the octopus flash colours. Really? Yeah.
1: Oh. You're kidding. So do do they not have sound? I don't think they do. They, um... they have a language of light and colour. That is fascinating. Oh, my gosh. Well, we
0: certainly have a lot to learn anyhow. About animals, I mean, our understanding of animals and their ways. And
1: that's amazing. Oh, who you got there? Lacking. Hey,
2: amazing.
0: you pulled a rabbit out of the hat. <laughs>
1: no, I that's, a, <laughs> that's a cute rabbit. Yeah, thank you. We, we must say also, Jackie is a, a very talented animal photographer mm-hmm. as well as a People photographer, but your your photographs are amazing. They capture the spirit of an animal so well.
0: Yeah, we can see some of your photos and your uh, banner in the background too.
1: So I I have another question. You know how um, dogs and to a certain extent cats as well sometimes spin around and and circle (laughs) before they lie down.
2: Oh, that's interesting. What's that about? Well, it's because of their spine. So, so what they need to do is because they they're in a tight ball. Okay, they need to click the spine so it can be in a tight score and being straight. So the first circle clicks the top, the second circle clicks the next bit, and the third circle clicks the last bit. Then they can go down. Oh. So they're adjusting their back. They're playing chiropractor. Tick, tick, tick. Boom.
1: Right. Really? Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I wonder whether we should do that with our backs before we lie down. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I know that sometimes cats, when they get comfortable, they will actually um, move their paws either on your body or on the blanket. And I believe that's a, a regressive trait to when they were kittens and trying to get the milk out of their mother's breasts. Uh-huh. Uh,
2: see, this gives them an endorphin to persuade um, oh, okay. them to, to push the milk through. And as adults, they sometimes have to that for the, uh, for the little
1: brushes mm. they get. Yeah. Oh okay so they're, they're actually stimulating a memory from the past
2: it, it's a ref, it's, i don't know if reflex is the right word but it's one of those things that you know when we smile we feel good a little bit like you smile and you get an endorphins a little bit um it's like that they do this and it gives them brain chemistry
1: yep. okay very interesting Very, very interesting. As as a vet nurse, can you tell us a little bit about whether you think that the similarity, biological similarity um, between our nervous systems and our brain chemistry and, and other hormones, do you think that we are more different or more similar to animals? how it, there's, I mean, I know that there are some animals that, uh, I know we've got a 99%, I think genetically we're similar to chimpanzees. I know that they use, um, don't they use rats in a lot of experiments? And I believe the rat biology is very similar to humans. Mm-hmm. Well,
2: they react as what, what are your thoughts on
1: that? Oh,
2: okay. Well, the, the reason why they use rodents is because they react as similar to the way humans do. Um, but overall... I think the school's still out on that. The last study I read on that came up with a theory that animals have combination of emo- emotions. They feel a combination of mm. guilt and something else to bring up a different type of emotion that they feel. I think that's all garbage. I think that we are animals. We are species percentile human primates. Might have
1: a bit of a technical problem there. You frozen?
2: Are we there? Am I here? Am I there?
0: Yep, our connection is our connections just a little unstable at the moment, but that's okay. Keep going.
1: So, so
2: We are species, human, placentile, primate.
1: Our species. So maybe you could just repeat that, Jackie. Sorry, we, we just lost that last bit.
2: Species, human, placentile, primate. And and canine species, and feline species are just other species of animal. As far as I'm concerned, we're all the same and we have the same emotional uh with things going on because we have the spleen is related to um self-esteem and all these other things I, I don't know them off the top of my head but uh you know so long as they've got our organs they've got our system so they do feel lonely they do feel love mm-hmm. they do feel hunger and they feel thirst and they feel cold and they uh, feel scared and they feel embarrassed this one was embarrassed because when I went to pick him up, I went up to the box and he was on the toilet. And I said, oh, okay, I'll, um, I'll pick you up in a mirror. I'll just let you go to the toilet. And he jumped off the toilet and he thumped on the bottom of the box and went <coughs> as if he was in a bad mood. That's what they do in a bad mood. And I thought, Oh,
0: uh, I had a rabbit that did that.
2: Something, Yeah, the rabbits ticked off that I went and saw him on the toilet because, you know, they're very much like us. So I, I went over there and waited and he went back on his toilet, finished his business in his own privacy. Sorry, mate. And I went not pick them up then. But, yeah, they don't like being bothered on the toilet. They're a lot like us.
1: Yeah. That's very perceptive of you. I, I think a lot of people don't realise that.
2: I, I know. I know. They think that humans are different to animals. We are animals. We're not a mushroom. We're not a robot. We're animals. That's mm. right. We're not separate
0: mm. from nature. We're part of it. It's. I think it's the ego right. and the superiority complex that it makes is. us feel like we're it apart is. from nature when we're not. We're just... Dependent on nature as much as it is on us, probably.
2: You know that the anthill yeah. has advanced uh, methods that are used in engineering. Ants mm. use that to make their ant hill. Really? Answer. Wow. Yes. I, I yeah.
0: was so impressed today. I went out yesterday. I mowed the front lawn and I knocked down some of the anthills. I call them citadels and there's a lot of them. And I knew I wasn't going to, I was only going to destroy the top half of it. I knew they were underground. I wasn't going to hurt them with the lawnmower. But the next day, all the anthill citadels were back and they were bigger than ever, more defined, and there were more of them. So I, I was quite impressed. I go, boy, these guys are great.
1: Well, we have a lot of anthills here. We, we live in Bellinger now. So when you, say, when you say that they use advanced engineering techniques, what do you mean?
2: Um, uh, sorry, David, cut out a little bit there? Um, <clears throat> it's, uh, I, think the, I haven't done advanced engineering, so I can't tell you exactly. I just know that the, the way they build an hill is the same principles that you would learn if you were to do advanced. That's, oh, that's fascinating.
1: That's really interesting. I know when I looked at that anthill, it had lots of little holes mm. and, it, you know, it seems to have been very well done. There's
2: so, an anthill in the desert where it's built as a uh, square and another square, kind of like um, that. And the, what that design does is it takes the most out of the morning sun and keeps it cool this side, and then this one gets the afternoon sun, and that's cool that side at the best wow. speed. So basically, their design allows them to have a hot place and a cool place to live, so they can be warm or cool, where no matter what time of day it is. And that's just, I think every building that we make should be copying the ants because they've got it all worked out. Every house should wow. be.
0: Made. Hey, what about... Um, uh, this is off. new for me being in Australia. I don't left. think I've ever seen this in the US. These uh, great big termite mounds. They're huge. Very impressive.
2: Never seen one.
0: They're amazing. Yeah, there. we saw
1: okay. quite a lot of I, can, I guess... can you all hear me right now? Yes. Yeah, we have two minutes left. Sorry, because okay. the air is ready in, in three minutes. Okay.
0: Okay, so we're good. <laughs> Our... Uh, an, producer just told us that we've got to sign off on this show
1: but look it's been fascinating talking to you hopefully we can do it again because i think a lot of people out there have pets and love pets and it's really interesting Mm -hmm. to have um you know these insights into um the animal world and realize how how closely connected we are to them so we've been talking to to our good friend jackie uh jackie boyd who is a, a a a medium, a pet psychic, uh, uh, an award-winning pet photographer.
0: And you can find Jackie on the internet. And your, your
2: website
1: is? I've just changed my business name to Amaze Me Photography. Yes. Fantastic. Okay. Lovely to have you on the show. Um, big hug. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening in. This has been Universal Soul Love. Thank Bye. you very much. Bye for now.